just a heads up, everyone. Though we look at things through an optimistic lens on this show, some of the topics may be triggering and some of the language may be adult. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I'm Jenna Edwards, and I've overcome some pretty serious adversity in my life. And I just recently realized it was all because of this mindset I call aggressive optimism. I knew I wasn't the only one living with this way of thinking, and as I always say, there's a million ways to do anything. So I wanted to do this podcast so I could have conversations with others and learn how they overcome adversity and achieve their big goals and dreams and create the life they want to live. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Edwards, and today I'm going to be talking with the lovely, wonderfully talented writer-actor, Sarah J. Egan. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Jenna. (laughs) You guys, Sarah is seriously an accomplished television writer with multiple scripts placing in competitions and winning awards. I, I can't even list them all, so I'm not going to. But you can hear her writing on the new sci-fi audio drama, The Veil. And I'll post a link on the show page for that. It's super great, you guys. Definitely have to check it out. And you can also see Sarah's beautiful, wonderful, funny face on acting alongside Oscar winner Regina King, no big deal, in one of the final episodes of The Big Bang Theory. So. It is my absolute honor and privilege to welcome to the show, Sarah J. Egan. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jenna. I'm so excited because you have such a, like, just prolific career in Hollywood. And um, I, I am just excited to share your perspective with the audience. So you say specifically in your bio that you you are a television writer, like you focus on that and a television actor, and not a lot of people do that. And so I'd like to ask you and talk to you more about how important you think it is to have a focus when you're doing a career like film and TV. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it really depends on where you are in your career, uh, how important that focus is, narrowing down that focus. Um, Certainly when I first moved to Los Angeles, I didn't know what I was more interested in doing, uh, whether it was commercials or film or stage work, which is really where I came from, uh, or television. Yeah. Okay. Um, And the thing about living in a town like Los Angeles that is so industry focused and There are so many casting offices and so many agencies is that you really can't move forward without (laughs) figuring out exactly what part of the world you want to live in. Oh my gosh, so true. It's so true. And I don't think it's specific to LA. I definitely think LA is one of those like, it's just massive in scale and you don't realize until you're out here how many different paths there are. Absolutely. To achieving your goal of being an actor, because that's what you moved out here for, right? To act. Yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Writing has become a new thing in the last how many years? Uh, about three, three and a half years. Yeah. Man, you are rocking it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, seriously, go to the show page at aggressiveoptimism.com and check out Sarah's bio. It is impressive. <laughs> so, um, 
I just want to know, like, when did you have that realization that you needed to focus? And then when did you have the desire to shift to being multiple hyphenated from actor, straight up actor to uh, writer actor? Well, I would say that initially I dabbled in everything uh, okay. because there really isn't a way, at least I didn't have a sense right away of what I wanted to focus on. And so it was really important to explore different forms of acting in order to figure out where I, I really wanted to be, what really lit me up and made me really excited. Um, and and when that happened sort of naturally okay. <laughs> in the first couple of years that I was in LA that I found myself being really drawn to the idea of playing the same character uh, in different stories week after week or playing different characters in these kind of one-off, you know, guest roles on in these many different worlds. Mm. Uh, and I like the speed at which television is produced. Yes, uh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I just, I just found myself more and more being drawn to television until it was clear that uh, giving my attention to anything else, um, unless it came my way sort of organically, mm -hmm. uh, it just wasn't what was making me excited. And so it became very easy to sort of uh, pull away the things <laughs> that weren't leading me to acting in television. Oh my gosh, I love that. And I think that what you just said is so important for people to hear in any career field, right? It's like, if an opportunity to star in a film came upon you, you would absolutely do it, but there's only so many hours in the day. And if you don't focus on one thing, the other things won't happen either. Oh, 100%. Yes, absolutely. You know? And so when did you, because um, wait, where did you move from? Uh, I moved to Los Angeles from Seattle. Seattle, but you're from Minnesota. I, yes, I grew up in Minnesota, yeah. I'm just saying, because we have a fellow Minnesotan on every <laughs> Friday. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but Sarah and I didn't know each other until Los Angeles, and yeah. that's always the most fun type of stories. Um, but anyway, you were in Seattle and you moved out here and it took you a couple of years to start focusing on TV. And then when did you make the shift to writing? So I started dabbling in writing and I mean like three page short film um, mm. about a year after I moved to Los Angeles. I okay. was feeling frustrated with the types of roles I was getting asked to audition for. I have a science background and I really uh, wanted to book a show like uh, Bones, like one of the interns on that show. You know, oh yeah, definitely. Or The Big Bang Theory. I know, right? How cool is that? <laughs> absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Over the moon. Um, but yeah, something where I could be sort of quirky and fun, but also smart and sciencey. Um, nice. And those were just not the roles that I was going out for. And so I wrote a short film to shoot mostly so that I could have footage of myself in that kind of role to mm. use it um, to hopefully get cast in, in other things. Um, and that was really when I first started uh, writing, but I didn't get serious about it for probably another two years. Uh, okay. Writing felt very foreign to me, writing scripts specifically, uh, mm. just felt like this kind of 
insane alchemy that I, I didn't know how to tap into. And, um, and I just found myself getting more and more drawn to uh, screenwriting podcasts and talking to writers about their process. And, and, and another thing about focus, you know, finding something to focus on is I think you also need to stay open to what you're really drawn to. And that's definitely what happened to me with writing. It was not something I set out to do, but I kept finding myself getting drawn to it and, and feeling interested by it. And, and I listened to that. Oh my gosh, I love that. And I also think what a scientist you are. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Right? A lot of research. <laughs> Lots of yeah. interviews and yep. research and all of that, which you also do on every month on the Ms. in the Biz uh, blog, which I love. And I am going to post a link to that as well on your show page. Um, but how did that come to be? Oh, goodness. Um... I would say the short answer is that before I moved to Los Angeles, mm -hmm. I took a five-week course with Bonnie Gillespie, who I love. Oh, she's so fantastic. Uh, yes, she's so great. And in one of those classes, she mentioned this really awesome gal, Helena Santos, who is like starting Ms. in the Biz, this, this female um, female written by women, um, uh, online journal. Yes. And, uh, and it sounded really interesting to me. And I moved to Los Angeles a couple of months later and I don't know, I just kept hearing about Ms. in the Biz and I, I don't even remember fully how it came about, but somehow got connected with Helena and, and started writing for the site shortly after I moved. moved oh, here. wow. Wow, that's you've been writing for the site a long time. And I've noticed that you now interview other showrunners. Yes. Let's talk yes. a little bit about that because I feel like um like if you can do a podcast or an interview for a blog or something, that's a great way to uh network with people who are doing the thing that you already want to be doing and also learn from them <laughs> in oh, a way that benefits more than just you, right? Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. I feel like, uh, well, so the, the story of Ms. and the Biz was interesting because it was an online journal, an online community for several years when I was focused on acting. Mm -hmm. And then they took a hiatus for almost a year. And during that time was sort of when I was really starting to develop my voice as a screenwriter and oh, interesting when Ms. and the Biz came back I knew I wanted to I knew I wanted my pieces to be focused on breaking into writing for TV and so my focus had shifted and um and I've been able to do that since Ms. and the Biz came back and That's so awesome yeah it worked out really well and <laughs> and absolutely I've found that chatting with uh specifically female writers and hearing about their journeys, you know, they are so excited to share uh, what has worked for them to try to help other writers who are trying to break in. And, um, and I'm getting that time with them, that FaceTime, that, um, mm -hmm. you know, I get to talk a little bit about my journey. They get a sense of me. I've had showrunners tell me if their show gets renewed, uh, to reach out to them and ask them to read one of my pilots. Wow. So it's, it's, um, it's a very kind of symbiotic thing. Um, 
which has worked out really nicely. And, and I'm learning and growing along with my readers, you know. I think that's so awesome. And I mean, any of my last three podcast shows that I've done and this one is going to be no different. I love talking about the idea of finding a way to network that also benefits other people. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about a different way that you and I have both had some major like life-changing experiences, including being able to connect with people that we wouldn't otherwise be able to soon. But right now I want to focus on the idea of like, it, it. I think that a lot of people hear about, um, you know, interviewing other people in the entertainment industry oftentimes, right? And maybe that's just my bubble, but <laughs> my I, bubble too. So. Right? <laughs> but I've been, you know, speaking at high schools uh, recently and just this last weekend, I had probably like seven conversations with different students about different ways to network. And um, I feel like it's not just the entertainment industry where you could go and find an online blog or magazine to start interviewing people about accounting or about law or about, you know, farming, like whatever your chosen career path is. If you can find a way to connect with people with a purpose, like I call it networking with a purpose, right? It's the same thing oh, if you volunteer that. for film festivals or for nonprofit organizations. Like you have a reason for talking to these people mm -hmm. that are doing what you want to be doing. And I think one of the best ways for sure is interviewing them either in for a writing piece or um, a podcast because people do love to share how they got started. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think anybody who's successful that I've met anyway, that's a good, decent human, um, doesn't mind sharing how they did it in the hopes that somebody else might be able to have the success that they have. Oh yeah, I completely agree. And so I say that for everybody listening, like whatever your chosen career path is, talk to people who are um, the next level up or like six levels up, however many <laughs> levels up you can get. But because um, you never know what's going to happen, right? And that brings me to the next thing. I really want to talk to you about your work with the Hollywood Heart organization. Can you share with our audience a little bit more about the organization and then we'll go into your story about how you got involved? Yes, uh, Hollywood Heart is actually sharing it is celebrating its 25th anniversary as an wow. organization. It started as a camp for youth affected by HIV/AIDS. Um, it started as a camp for younger kids, and then they had two camps: one for younger kids and one for older kids. And okay. it has transitioned to. Um, the, the community that we serve for specifically for camp is now 15 to 20 year olds. Um, oh, wow. they, they found that they wanted to sort of bridge the gap between childhood and adulthood and, and give, um, an outlet, uh, have, have a time a year that they can all come together. Um, so yeah, it's youth affected by HIV AIDS and it's an arts camp where we focus on all sorts of uh, artistic uh, endeavors, culinary arts, fashion, dance, theater, making films, writing, all sorts of stuff. And we bring in uh, teaching artists that teach the entire week. We bring in teaching artists that just teach a workshop in the evenings. 
we have dance parties and movie nights, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, the organization now also works with underserved youth in the Los Angeles area all year round. Oh, wow. Various programming. Um, but our, our camp for youth affected by HIV AIDS is really the kind of flagship program. And that's how you got involved. That's correct. And could you share a little bit more about that? Um, yeah. So I, I don't know how to start talking about this. I know. Um, it's a pretty big challenge. And, <laughs> and I applaud you for being brave enough to talk about it because not everybody would be. Um, so my cousin uh, contracted HIV from a blood transfusion when he was five or six years old. Wow. Um, he, this was in the eighties before they knew how HIV was being transmitted, how to, uh, heat test the blood. And so it was just sort of dumb luck that he, mm. he got, um, infected with HIV. Wow. Um, he was my older cousin. And when he was about 12, he went public about his HIV positive status and his local newspaper wrote articles about him and he started teaching, doing HIV AIDS education all over the world. Um, and, and I started like following in his footsteps, giving, you know, doing HIV AIDS education when I was about 10. That's incredible. So uh, it's just kind of been something that has been part of my life for as long as I can remember. Um, and it's been a really nice through line because wherever I have lived, I've been able to find organizations that I can volunteer with. So when I lived in Minnesota, I volunteered for the Red Cross in the town that I, that I lived in. And I also went to Minneapolis and volunteered for an HIV positive house there. Wow. Uh, when I studied abroad in Dublin, I found an HIV positive house that I could volunteer volunteer at. I like served meals and I also did things um, like creating movement workshops and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, when I, when I moved to Los Angeles, I knew that I wanted to find an organization where I could continue that kind of work. That's incredible because I mean, we've talked about this in the past, how isolating moving to a new city can be, and especially Los Angeles, it's so spread out. And having the knowledge that you can go and find people of like minds, of like hearts, uh, doing things in an area that you are passionate about is just such a gift. And I feel like if anybody listening hasn't discovered that gift. It, it, it is accessible to everyone. So it's just a matter of figuring out what you're passionate about and finding an organization to go volunteer at. And it's such a beautiful way to kind of merge your worlds. Wouldn't you agree? Like you, we work so much. So if, and we love, I know everybody I am surrounded by literally never talks about retirement because we all can't even imagine not doing this for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so it's a way to have that like obsessive workaholism and if <laughs> other people <laughs> and, like find a kind of cool balance within work and um, not work, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but would you agree? Oh yeah. It's important. Um, you know, I feel like so much of the entertainment industry, and I'm sure other careers as well, is that you're just 
fighting so hard to move things forward, move different projects forward, whatever it is, and to sort of step back and focus on something that that isn't your career, that mm-hmm. isn't that isn't maybe so focused on yourself and your own accomplishments. I find selfishly is like incredibly rejuvenating and um, inspiring and, and you just really need that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It's like that whole scene in Friends where Phoebe and Joey argue about the idea of there are no selfless acts. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's true. When you volunteer, man, there's nothing, there's no greater feeling. Mm -hmm. There just isn't. And so it's selfishly wonderful, but also like meaningful, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, And for me personally with this with this cause. I mean, my, my cousin died when he was 18 and continuing to do this work is a way that keeps him alive for me. And, and it just feels, yeah, it's just something that's always been important to me. And, and I feel grateful that I, that I get welcomed into other people's lives who are struggling with, with this disease. And let me ask you that because I feel like a lot of people, me included, when I first um, started volunteering, it's it's this idea of like, do they even want me around? I know that seems weird. I don't know if you had that same experience. Probably not since you've been doing this work since you were 10. But have you ever had challenges like that where people that you're trying to help just don't want to receive that help? Well, I I think that's very tricky because I don't think that helping people is forcing anything on them, you mm-hmm. know. And and I guess I don't even see what I'm doing as helping. Interesting. I I, I see it more as building community, and um, I don't know. I. Um, I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally um, yeah. <laughs> well, have there no, been that's a really any? interesting that's, that's a really interesting question. Um, but I guess I've just found that yeah, I I think it's a very fine line. We talk about this some um, with our clients, the people that we serve with in Hollywood Heart. Okay, is is not to approach them in a pitying. Mm. way, you know, in a, pardon the term, but white savior way, you know, they are not, they are not drowning in their circumstances. It's just their life. And we're there to, you know, help, help them learn how to sew a dress or whatever it is, you know? Um, yeah. You're just there to add to their life. Yeah, absolutely. And facilitate that, uh, community building and perhaps expose them to different kinds of art and and just kind of show them other things that they could be doing. Interesting. That's it's so beautiful and um I kind of want to swing it back around to like how beneficial volunteering has been in your life in all aspects, right? And mine too. I I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day and we realized literally Every single career opportunity I've had is because I've been volunteering. Mm. 
I've met someone volunteering. Like even the the speaking gig I did this weekend was because I was a member of Toastmasters and I volunteered to help at a high school like years ago before I had even considered doing this as a career. Mm-hmm. Help at a high school um, with their their presentations, and I met this teacher who, when I decided to make this a uh, career path for myself, I called up and I was like, "Can I pick your brain?" And mm-hmm. she's like. Yes. And then she introduced me to the person doing the event last weekend. And so like, not to say like, go volunteer because it's a great way to network, but the byproduct of volunteering, at least for me, has become so many opportunities to do so many cool things. Absolutely. Because I feel like the energy with which you are meeting these people is so different. You're not coming to someone with Um, I I felt this a lot when I was only acting. I I felt the desperation of like every time I met someone, oh, please know that I'm such a good actor and you should put me in things, you know, because that that was just how I, that's kind of what you're told is networking. And I just completely disagree with that. Um, but when you're starting out, you kind of don't know any other way. Mm-hmm. And when you're meeting people doing something that you both care about, it's a collaboration right off the bat instead of asking something from them. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting, right? I, I remember the first time I did a casting as a producer and you could literally feel the desperation from the actors. Mm-hmm. And being an actor myself, I understood it and, and you know, worked really hard to not be put off by it. Mm-hmm. But that's because I'm conscious of it. Most people aren't. And so that's why a lot of actors don't get the role because no one wants to hang out with desperate people. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So absolutely. I think the difference is like if you're an employee, which is what an actor is, right? You need somebody to hire you. Mm-hmm. Volunteering puts you in a different light because it's mm-hmm. so much more empowering. You're, al- you're already there doing the work. You know, yeah. even if it's not the work that you want to be doing, like acting, you are in a totally different mindset when you're volunteering and people can see you in your most confident best. Yes. And I think they take that back. And if you ever do come into them with some sort of interview or audition, it's a totally different perspective that they have on you. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. And I think it's such a great way to like kind of show them what you got (laughs) (laughs) while helping other people or just – the world, right? And mm-hmm. I also think like, don't you want to work with people who you know like the same things that you like? Yeah, exactly. And who you've seen, you know, giving their time for the benefit yeah. of others and you've seen the passion that they have for things and, you know, like all of those things, I, I feel like present you in such a more authentic way than meeting someone at a party and forcing your business card on them and trying <laughs> to get them to whatever, cast you or read, read your script or whatever it is. Exactly. Bring you in for some sort of interview. 100%. Oh my gosh. If you can believe it, we're almost out of time. Oh, all right. <laughs> so I would love to know if you have a piece of advice for our audience. One thing that I feel like is really important in my life is getting outside. Um, a lot of 
my work can be done in front of the computer by myself. <laughs> um, social media is part of the what I consider the work that I do for my mm-hmm. career. And, and I just find that getting outside, going on a hike, um, if I really have time, you know, taking a trip with my husband and doing Oh, yes. Yeah. Sarah's quite the traveler. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, that's just so necessary. And I find when, when I'm staying connected for too long, it really drains my creativity and my energy and my perspective on things. And I need that time to sort of unplug, get some fresh air, get some exercise. Um, yeah. So that would be my piece of advice. Amazing. And do you have a favorite resource? Oh, I... Other than the great outdoors. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. Oh my gosh. You're the third person in the last Oh, no way. (laughs) I love it too. It's like absolutely one of my favorites. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's a book I find myself continuing to go back to and I just get something out of it every time I read it. And I think she has some interesting things to say about fear and failure and um, approaching things with a playfulness. And uh, yeah, I just love it. Absolutely. Me too. I love that. Like, I feel like I'm going to have to put a little email out and be like, okay, guys, your resource can't be big magic anymore. <laughs> but, but also I want everyone's resource to be big magic because it's right. so good. Yes. It's so good. Have you listened to her podcast? Uh, I've listened to some of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So fun. So good. Okay. So let's leave the audience with your favorite quote. Um, my favorite quote changes daily, I would say, but the quote that came to mind today, um, I recently discovered an Instagram account, Emily on Life. Ooh, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, and she said something a couple days ago that has stuck with me, um, and it, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something to the effect of, you're an adult, you have a pen, sign your own permission slip. Oh. And I just... I love that because I feel like so often we are looking to other people (laughs) to see if what we're doing is okay, if what we care about is okay, if if our next step is okay, and it only needs to be okay to us. You know, we need to give ourselves (laughs) permission to take those big leaps and, absolutely, you know, engage in self-care and trust the stories that we have to tell. And so, oh my gosh, I love it. Running around my brain. I love it. I also think we need to give ourselves permission to be ourselves. Oh, yes. Like, we just, that's something that I've struggled with my whole life the idea that I'm doing life wrong. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, this Mm -hmm. is who you are. This is how you are. Just do that. No, I love that so much, so much. Oh, Sarah, you're the best. I'm so glad I got to chat with you today, Jenna. Me too. Thank you so much for your time, your knowledge, your perspective, your inspiration, all of that. And to everybody listening, thank you guys so much for your time um, and attention. I just really appreciate it. The show wouldn't exist without you. And I'm so eternally grateful. You have been listening to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I've been your host, Jenna Edwards, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Remember, if you dream it, it's possible. Bye. 
The Aggressive Optimism Podcast is made possible through affiliate programs. So if you'd like to support the podcast and get some really great products for yourself, head on over to the offerings page at aggressiveoptimism.com. And if you want a little more aggressive optimism in your life, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Jenna Edwards Life. I'll see you over there. Until then, have a good one.